Hello everyone and welcome to the 3-Ball. I am your host Sam and in today's podcast we are going to be doing the off-season guide for the New York Knicks. If y'all don't know how these off-season guides work, I basically give advice to NBA teams on what I believe they should try to do this this off-season as well as what I believe they might, you know, try to do this off-season based on both their logistical outlook as well as their player personnel and the order in which we're doing teams now that we've reached teams that made the playoffs. We're going from time that the team got eliminated. So the Knicks we were the 10th team that got eliminated from the NBA playoffs, so they are the 10th playoff team that we are doing. This means that I only have six left to go, and I am, I'm, I'm mass recording these, y'all. I'm mass recording these. Today is Saturday, June 10th. This podcast is coming out either Wednesday or Thursday. I don't know what day that is, but Wednesday or Thursday, depending on when I'm making the NBA Finals recap video. I'll make one after the, the series is over, or at least after Game 6 and after Game 7. If, if not after Game 5, it'll be... If, if Denver doesn't win Game 5, you already... Actually, you already know. The, the, the podcast is either already out or it's not, so I'm, I'm going to stop explaining this. But a couple things before I... Before I do get into this podcast, if y'all hear a low rumbling throughout this audio, that's because the power is out right now, and we have our generator on. So, if you hear the low rumbling, that is what it is. Also, I made a mistake in my last podcast for the Phoenix Suns. I was talking about how Dwayne Washington Jr. was a two-way player for the Suns. I had that wrong. Dwayne Washington Jr. actually plays for the Knicks. I, I don't know if I didn't see the signing or if I was mistaking Dwayne Washington with Saban Lee. I may have been. In my defense, Dwayne Washington, Dwayne Washington has not played a single game for the Knicks. So it's it's really not that bad. But yeah, I, I, I understand my mistake. I realized it fairly soon after I finished the, the Suns podcast. But oh well, I don't have time to re-record because I am, as I said earlier, mass producing these. This is my second podcast of the day. So if I do, if I do seem a little bit more tired than usual... That is the reason why. Okay, en- enough enough other stuff. We're going to go ahead and now and move back to the New York Knicks. So for those of you listening on YouTube, there is going to be a spreadsheet popping up on your screen right now. For those of you listening elsewhere, I will explain this spreadsheet for you. The first thing on the spreadsheet is, or the, the spreadsheet is of the logistical information for the Knicks. The first thing on it is a depth chart with contract links for the Knicks. So the point guard position, the New York Knicks are starting Jalen Brunson, who has three years left, including a player option. Behind him is Miles McBride. One year left, that's a team option, meaning that the, the, the Knicks could make him a free agent this season, this offseason if they want him to be one. But afterwards, he'll be a restricted free agent. I don't know if the Knicks don't decline his option. Would that make him unrestricted or restricted? I'm not sure. But if they accept his option, he will definitely be restricted after next season. Behind Miles McBride is Emmanuel Quickly. He has one year left before he becomes an RFA. Then behind Emmanuel Quickly is Derek Rose, who has one year left, but that year is a team option. So the Knicks can make him a free agent this offseason if they want him to be one. Starting as shooting guard is Quentin Grimes, who has two years left, including a team option before he becomes a restricted free agent. Behind Grimes is Emmanuel Quickly. We already talked about him. Behind Quickly is Evan Fournier, who has two years left, including a team option. Behind Fournier is Daquan Jeffries, who has one year left on his contract. Starting at small forward is R.J. Barrett, who has four years left on his deal. Behind Barrett is Josh Hart, who has one year left, but he's a player option. So he could become a free agent this offseason if he decides to be one. And then behind him is Daquan Jeffries. Starting at power forward is Julius Randle, who has three years left, including a player option. Behind Randle is Obi Toppin, who has one year left on his contract before he becomes an RFA. Behind him is Isaiah Roby. He has one year left. 
And the last position is the center position. And starting at center, the Knicks have Mitchell Robinson. He has three years left on his contract. Behind Mitchell Robinson is Isaiah Hartenstein, who has one year left on his deal. And then lastly, behind Isaiah Hartenstein is Jericho Sims, who has two years left, including a team option for his contract. Moving on to the next section of this Knicks logistical information, we have the salary cap table for next season for the Knicks. And considering that right now, and one thing, the salary cap, it, it, it's it basically expects all options are accepted. So all player options, team options are accepted. And, well, they don't have any outgoing free agents. But they, if they were to have any outgoing free agents, they would not be on these books. So this is, this is guys who contracts are either for sure or, you know, they could be back if they accept if they accept their option or the, if the Knicks accept their option. So first is Julius Randle, who's, who's going to make 28 eight million dollars next year. Behind him is Jalen Brunson, who's gonna make twenty-six. Next is RJ Barrett, twenty-four million. Evan Fournier's after him, nineteen mil. Mitchell Robinson, sixteen million. Derek Rose, sixteen million. Josh Hart, thirteen million, but that is not non-guaranteed. And his contract is kind of weird. His player option date is a little bit earlier than most other players. It's on June 24th. So when, when, when y'all are hearing this podcast, his he may have already decided, but when I'm recording this, he has not decided yet. His player option date is early on, 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 June, on June 24th, and his contract will be guaranteed on June 25th. So basically, unless the Knicks make like a sign-in trade, or if they, why would they sign him and cut him? I don't, I don't know how that all works there. But basically, his contract is going to be guaranteed if he accepts the deal. If not, then they'll w- work on a new contract. Next player on the list is Isaiah Hartenstein, nine mil. Obi Toppin, seven million. Manuel Quickly, four million. Quentin Grimes, two million. Daquan Jeffries, two, but that is non-guaranteed. He'll be guaranteed on January 10th of next year. Isaiah Roby's in the same boat, two million dollars, non-guaranteed. He'll be guaranteed on January 10th. And then, and then there's Jericho Sims, $2 million. He's partially guaranteed. He'll be guaranteed $650,000. He'll be guaranteed $1.3 million like 10 days after moratorium ends. That'll be around July 16th. And then he'll be guaranteed fully 45 days after moratorium ends on around August 16th. So those are flexible dates based on... I don't even know exactly what moratorium is. I know it's relating to free agency, though. So 45 days after that is when Jericho Sims becomes guaranteed. And then the last player on the books for the Knicks is Miles McBride, also at $2 million. And that adds up for a grand total of $172 million on contract for the New York Knicks next season if all options are accepted. And with the projected salary cap being around 134 mil, this will leave, this will leave the Knicks with negative $38 million in cap room. And with the luxury tax being projected around 162 mil, the Knicks would have negative $10 million in projected luxury tax room. Now we're going to move on to the last part of this logistical breakdown. It is the first round picks of the Knicks, the, that the Knicks have over the next seven years. This year, they do not have their pick I think it got traded in the Josh Hart trade. I'm pretty sure it got traded in the Josh Hart trade. But next year in 2024, they do have their pick. They also have Dallas's pick. It was almost it was almost belonging to the Knicks this year. But Dallas snuck in there at the 10. They kept their pick. But next year, that pick will be top 10 protected. And if it's not conveyed, it'll be top 10 protected again in 2025. And that comes from the Chris Stapp's Porzingis deal. Also in 2024... The Knicks have the Washington Wizards pick. If that's not conveyed next year, oh, I, I, I forgot to put protections on it. I think it's top 12 protected. I think that it is top 12 protected. For those of you 
seeing this on YouTube, you will know for sure, but as I'm recording this, I forgot to put it on here. I'm pretty sure that that, that pick is top 12 protected. I will verify that. If not, it's going to be like top 10 protected or lottery protected. It's one of those three, I guarantee it. If it's not conveyed in 2024, it'll be top 10 protected in 2025, and then top 8 protected in 2026, and this comes as a result of the Usman Jane trade. I don't know how it got to Oklahoma City, but the Oklahoma City has a ton of picks. I, I, don't, I don't question it. And then, and, then the, and then in 2025, the Knicks have their own pick. They also have the Milwaukee Bucks pick. And this pick has just been thrown around teams. It got to... It got to... Where did, where did it go to? It got to Portland in, in some deal Milwaukee and Portland made. And then it got to Detroit in the Jeremy Grant trade. And then it got, and then it got to New York in the Kemba Walker-Jalen Duran trade. So they have a Milwaukee pick that is top four protected... That's really the only year Milwaukee won't be top fourth, and the Knicks will have that Bucks pick in 2025. And then in the years 2026, 2027, 2028, and 2029, the only draft picks that the Knicks have, at least first round, are their own. That was a lengthy. That was a lengthy uh, bit of information. The Knicks have a lot of logistical logistical stuff going on. They have no straight up outgoing free agents from the roster at the current moment. So all those guys are under contract. It's a lot for the Knicks. But that is their logistical breakdown. We're now going to move on to the player personnel. So this past year, the Knicks. They had a really good season. They ended up as a five seed. They approved to a team that made the second round of the playoffs after not making the playoffs last year, and. That, that's probably a cause of adding Jalen Brunson to the lineup. You add Jalen Brunson and your second-round team. You added him in last year's free agency period before losing to the East Champs in six games. And a quick quick aside on Jalen Brunson really quick. The, the, the dude was willing to sign four years, 55 mil with the Mavericks, and they said no. <laughs> they said no, and now look at him making 4-1-10. He doubled the contract over the same length of time, and he has a bigger role in New York. Shout-out to Jalen Brunson, man. He, he deserves a lot of credit, but obviously the Knicks lost to Miami in six games, although it was not a fault of Brunson. In the playoffs, in the 11-11 games that the Knicks played, Brunson led the way. Like, for the entire team, he averaged 27.8 points, 4.9 rebounds, 5.6 assists, and 1.5 steals during the series, which helped the teams get the wins that they did, that, 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 that they did good, that they, that they did get, sorry. And Brunson was the leader. It was not Julius Randle, it was Jalen Brunson. And speaking of Julius Randle, he was an, a, a playoff disappointment. He's been in the playoffs, I think, only two times in his career. First year was 2020-2021, when they lost to Atlanta. And then this year, neither one of those series were good for, Jaylen, for, for Julius Randle. And, and this year was, was really, really not good. If you, if you look at his, his stats, in the regular season, Randle averaged 25.1 points per game. That fell to 16.6 over the 11 playoff games that he played. Or the 10, I, th- I think he only played 10 because he missed one. Still, 16.6. Not great. His efficiency dropped dropped all the way down to, listen to, the, to these shooting splits for Julius Randle, one of the best players in the NBA. 37.4% from the field. 25.8% from three. And he shot 6.6 threes a game. He shot 66 threes in the series. And he only made 25.8% of them. Or over the, the entire playoffs, not just one series. Those are those are horrific statistics. He needs to be better in the playoffs. And during the Miami series, he was injured. I will give him that. He was injured. He was dealing with an ankle injury. He played through it. But if you look at his stats, he was actually better statistically in the Miami series than he was in the Cleveland series. And I know they won the, the Cavs series, but Jalen Brunson had an absolutely great series then. 
Like, the Knicks had a lot going for them in that Cleveland series. The Cavs team was clearly not ready for the playoffs, and the Knicks were. They came out and beat them, and they didn't really need Jalen Brunson. Second, or, or they didn't really need Julius Randle, sorry. But the second round, they needed him, and he didn't really show up. He really didn't show up. But when Julius Randle scored more than 20 points, he had, a game where, he had a game where he scored 20 and they lost. But when he scored 24 in one game and 25 in another game. And, and those games were the games that the Knicks won. So you need Julius Randle to have big games in order to win. If he doesn't have a good game, this team is not going to win. It's a pretty simple formula. And he's he's like absolutely critical to the team team success, as I just said. And like if you could have him going, you you already have Jalen Brunson, who's a proven playoff performer, right? We we saw it last year in Dallas, we saw it this year in New York. He is a proven playoff performer. And if you can have Julius Randle playing just normal, just play normal Julius Randle. This team is going to be a, a a force to be reckoned with in the Eastern Conference. I know the Eastern Conference is top heavy, but the Knicks could join in that in that top group of teams. They could join in with the Boston, Philly, Milwaukee, Miami group. They could join into that group. They they could join. So could the Cavs. But I think the Knicks are right there. They can have Julius Randle just perform better in the postseason. They'll be fine. And 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 Knicks fans like right Knicks fans are are pretty reactive right but you know they they may want Julius Randle to be traded and, and I understand I understand why as a Grizzlies fan as soon as we lost that Lakers series I was absolutely fed up with Dylan Brooks not that I hadn't been before but you know I was fed up with him I didn't want him back and thankfully he's not going to be back but Julius Randle's not a player like Dylan Brooks right Julius Randle's an All NBA type of player who is arguably the best player on this Knicks team, you know, led them to the five seed. Julius Randle is much more important than Dylan Brooks, and and, and trading him would have a lot, a lot more, you know, complications around it than it would just letting Dylan Brooks walk. And uh, like I said, I, I see the disappointment that the that Knicks fans have in Julius Randle, but I, I just highly doubt that he is going to be traded. I, I just don't see a trade in the works. Because the Knicks are a competitive team, it's going to be hard to trade Julius Randle for another competitive piece, unless it's like a Carl Anthony Towns. I don't know if you really want Carl Anthony Towns for Julius Randle right now. I don't know if you want that. I think, personally, I would rather just hang on to Randle. That, that's just me, though. But it's just an idea. Because when, when Julius Randle does play well, he is he is a really, really, really good basketball player. And the Knicks need him to win basketball games. I, I don't see a world in which he's not on the roster next year unless the Knicks find some sort of, like, superstar tr- type of trade that's, like, one, one of a kind. You know what I mean? I don't know what that would look like, but if that's there, then, then maybe, you, maybe you're maybe you willing to move on from Randall. Otherwise, I think you hang on to him. And speaking of, the, of trades, that's really the only way that the Knicks are going to be, be able to improve themselves this offseason because they literally have zero expiring contracts. They literally have zero, so it's going. I mean, they can open up roster spots through other means, but they're not gonna like their their money's already kind of set. Is what I'm trying to say. Their money's already sort of secure, and I don't know if they're gonna be able to. They, they don't have any first round picks, so they're not gonna be able to improve the draft. Gonna be tough in free agency. The only other way is trades, but they do have a player option and a couple of team options to deal with in free agency, and the player option belongs to Josh Hart, and Josh Hart was invaluable for the Knicks once he arrived. The Knicks absolutely needed him. He was super duper good for for the Knicks since he came over from Portland. And and li- listen to this record that the Knicks had. I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I counted these manually, but hopefully they're correct. During the regular season when Josh Hart was in the lineup, the New York Knicks were 17 and 8. 
17 8 that is crazy that 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 that's just crazy if you put that for a whole season that's going to put you around what 75 games that's going to be 3 times 25 that he played that's going to be like 51 so they'll they'll probably win 55 games if if Josh Hart's in the lineup 55 at least that's a really good number so Josh Hart absolutely had an impact on this team's success they need to keep him around if possible but it does sound like that Hart is leaning towards declining that option and entering free agency where, where you know he'll he'll certainly be a valuable free agent for more teams than just the Knicks, but and and then the and the team honestly that I expect to to make the biggest push for Josh Hart that's not the Knicks is the Cleveland Cavaliers the team that the Knicks beat in the playoffs because that's what the Cavs need they need that small forward to tie the team together and I think Josh Hart would be the ideal player for them, but the Knicks are obviously going to want him back because because Hart had such a, such a massive impact on winning. And ultimately, I do think that Hart wants to wants to come back. He wants to come back and play for the Knicks next season. But if you're looking at it from an individual standpoint, it does make sense for him to, to decline his con to, to decline his option because he's probably going to make about thirteen million. He's going to make thirteen million dollars this upcoming season if he accepts his deal. And if he doesn't accept his deal, I expect a contract but over thirteen million dollars. I think it could get up to, to eighteen mil, twenty million dollar range. If 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 if, it, if that's what it comes down to, because I think I think Cleveland's going to make a push for him, and if it's not Cleveland, some other team's going to make a push for him. As a Grizzlies fan, I would love Josh Hart. I don't think we're going to get him, but I would love him. Like there's going to be some teams that are going to push for Josh Hart, but I think that the Knicks are going to to push just as hard. I think they're they know that they they need him back. They need him back. And I, like I said, from the reports I've been reading, it seems like Hart wants to be back. The Knicks want him to, to to come back. That's usually a good equation for striking a deal. And I do think that he he will be back on the Knicks next season. Other otherwise, other than Josh Hart, the the the, the salary cap figure that I mentioned earlier of one seventy two million dollars, it's it's a pretty safe bet for next year. I, I think it's pretty safe considering you know considering that the Knicks don't make any big trade, you know what I mean? They don't make any significant trades. But if they really wanted to shave some money, shave, shave some money, they could do that through their non-guaranteed slash partially guaranteed deals, but they're all for $2 million, and those guys, and th- those players are Daquan Jeffries, Isaiah Roby, and Jericho Sims. And the only reason that I think the Knicks might release them is if they need to open up a roster spot. Otherwise, there's there's really no reason to, to let those guys go because their contracts are so cheap, unless you're making a trade, but I, I think those guys stick around. So I think I think the 172 figure is pretty safe because as as, as Josh Hart goes up, there's going to be another player's contract. I'll talk about him in a sec. That's going to lower the lower the value. I think I think that the Knicks are actually going to have less than 172 on the books next year, and I'll explain why in one one brief moment. And going back to free agency, the Knicks have those two player options. The first player option is with Miles McBride, and I see no reason not to accept Miles McBride's team option. Considering that he improved so much this past season, he had a really, really solid year. He made the most of his minutes. He's able to play in the playoffs. Miles McBride is a valuable player, and if and his contract is only for like two million dollars. No, he did not play in the playoffs. No, he did. He did. He did. He did. My bad. My bad. He did play in the playoffs. Not much though. He didn't play much. But Miles McBride is a guy who I think you 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 like the improvement that he made. He's a good defensive guard who passes well. I, I think you like him on the roster. And his his contract's less than two million dollars. That, uh, that that that's a pretty good you know, that that's a pretty good teller that the Knicks should look to bring him back. And then the other the other player the other team option kind of kind of hurts me 
because I don't know if the Knicks are going to bring him back. But as, as a basketball fan, I do want to see him back on an NBA team next season. I think he will be. But it, it, it's, it's just kind of sad that he's going to have to leave another team and lose out on a lot of money. And that is Derrick Rose. And, you know, he went to the, he went to the U of M. As a, as a Memphis guy, I, I, I like the U of M. I'm a Kentucky fan first, but I, I do like the U of M. So, you know, I, I do have a little bit of Derrick Rose bias. And I, <laughs> he plays a lot like John Morant. And as a John Morant fan, I like to see... Um, I, li- I, 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 like, I like guys who, you know, John Morant sort of models his game after. I, I, I guess. I guess. I, young Derrick Rose with the beast. But... You know, as for him, there's there's a slim chance. It's it's slim to no chance that the Knicks accept his team option, and 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 for that's for multiple reasons. One is the fact that Derrick Rose fell out of the Knicks rotation. He was not playing, which is really disappointing. I I, I still I want to see him succeed. Is what I'm trying to say. I really want to see him succeed more than the fact that he's just a Memphis guy. Just just from a basketball fan perspective, this is a guy who won the MVP in 2011. 2011, I think, maybe 20, it was, I'm pretty sure it was 2011, and, and, you know, and he got injured, and it just messed him up, it's, it's such a sad story, I want to see him succeed, but he ended up falling out of the rotation, which is really painful, and he's also going to make 16 million dollars next year, if, if, is if, you know, if the Knicks accept this option, and 16 million dollars, that's excessive for a non-rotational piece, for, for any non-rotational piece, it doesn't matter who it is, and, and, and that's really painful for Derrick Rose, and that's why I think it's safe. It's safe to expect to Derrick Rose not to be back in a Knicks jersey next season. Hopefully, on a new team, one that he can get minutes on. Since the Knicks, you know, he's not getting minutes, and they it just would not be a wise decision to 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 accept that team to. It would it would be a wise decision not to accept the team option because they would save a lot of cash. And also in free agency, the the Knicks have a couple of contract extensions that they could work out with Emmanuel Quickly and with Obi Toppin. And and, and it seems like Emmanuel Quickly is looking for a DeAndre Hunter type of deal, which that seems to be like the the bottom line for so many players right now. It's like I want a DeAndre Hunter deal. I want a DeAndre DeAndre Hunter deal. I want a DeAndre Hunter deal. And 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 for reference, a DeAndre Hunter deal is four years, ninety five million. But my expectation at least if I was judging Emmanuel Quickly's value, this would be the contract I would I would I would want to give him. I don't know if this would be the the, the, the contract that Quickly and his party would want, but this would be the, the, the contract that I would I would like to get Quickly back on. That would be a four year eighty million dollar deal. That's twenty million dollars a year as opposed to what, twenty four million dollars a year. But from from what I'm reading it seems like that, that four years eighty million dollar contract is, is the is the like quote floor for an Emmanuel quickly deal that is crazy to me I, I did not know that he had that much value because I, I don't know if the Knicks want to be paying quickly over 20 million dollars to come off the bench especially when Josh Hart who I would argue that Josh Hart is a more valuable basketball player to the Knicks I would argue that Josh Hart is more valuable he, he's going to make less money next year. He's going to make less than $20 million next year. So why would Emmanuel Quickly, who's less valuable, be, be making more? I just think that's kind of crazy to me. I'm not saying he hasn't earned a big contract. I'm just saying it, it kind of confuses me that he's looking for that that large of a deal. But if, if he can get it, shout out to him. Shout out to him and his agent if they can get that 495 deal. Cause that would be a crazy extension for Emmanuel Quickly. That that would be crazy. If I if, if I was a Knicks fan and I saw we gave Emmanuel quickly four ninety five, I might be a little bit upset. If we gave him four eighty, I think I'll be more accepting. I think I I think 
I think that that is a fair deal for both teams. I don't know what Quickly is thinking. I don't know what the Knicks are thinking. I think a four-year, $80 million deal is a fair contract for both sides. This is just me personally. Me personally, I think that is a very fair deal for both teams, for both for both sides. But I don't know if that's what the two sides would be looking for. As for Obi Toppin, I'm not sure what the Knicks want to do with him. I'm not sure what the Knicks should do with him. He has not been great for the Knicks in his three years there, and because he can't play alongside Julius Randle, because Thibodeau refuses to play them together, he's limited minutes-wise. He's really limited minutes-wise, which, you know, number one, stunts his growth, number two, makes him sad, and and, and number three, doesn't really give you a great reason, great reason to hang on to him. That doesn't really give you a great reason to hang on to him. And I think that the best way for the Knicks to handle, you know, the Obi Toppin situation this offseason is to look into trading him. Maybe you don't pull the trigger on a trade, but at least look look, look into trades for him. I'm not sure what, what you would be looking for in return, but, but maybe there's a young team who's going to be interested in Obi Toppin, or maybe you're making a bigger trade and you throw Obi Toppin in as a young piece. Who knows what, what an Obi Toppin deal would, you know, would entail, but... I, I think that's something that the Knicks should look into because I don't know if you want him back after next season. That that's that's what I'm, or I don't know if you want to pay him like eleven or twelve million dollars after next season to come off the bench. That that's that's really how I see it. But in order for going back to bigger picture, in order for the Knicks to take the next step into championship level, I still think they're that one really good piece away. They're not that they're not like the teams who are just like we have we can have one valuable role player. We're there. I think they're one pretty good piece away, but. You know, I think they could potentially even get that through trade this offseason. I think they could do it this offseason and maybe a couple years on the line. But I think that they could get it done this offseason. And a name that has been linked to the, to the Knicks in trades, in trade rumors, is OG Ananobi. But that would likely require RJ Barrett. That would, that would li- likely require an RJ Barrett swap. And if you're Toronto, do you really, really want RJ Barrett back? I know I know he's Canadian. You can have you, you have the Canadian back. But I don't know if you want... R.J. Barrett that that badly. I don't know if I, I think that the Knicks would think that R.J. Barrett would have more value than Toronto. I think if that makes any sense. Like the Knicks might think he has a certain amount of value, while the Raptors might view him with less value. And I think that will be the case. I think that will be the case. So I don't know if if that deal would would be super duper likely because I don't I don't think that Toronto would really want R.J. Barrett that desperately. But the Knicks would would not be super willing to give up R.J. Barrett. Um, um, like. Unless it's like a straight up one for one deal with like one or two picks attached, I don't know. I don't know that that's just something I'm thinking about. But one advantage that the Knicks do have, if they're looking for trades, is the amount of draft picks that they do have more than just their own draft picks. Because if you just have your own draft picks, you're limited to you know four four picks and three swaps. That's what you're limited to. But if you have other teams' picks, you can trade those. And the Knicks have three three picks from other teams over the next. Two or three, two or three drafts, and they could trade those. And next year they do have three picks in the draft, um, unless they're you know protected. I think that Washington's will probably be protected. Dallas is probably not. So I expect them to have two picks next year. But I I think that there's a good chance the Knicks trade one, one or two of those draft picks next for for that they're that could be there in 2024. Just as they really don't need all of them. But next year, they could have a lot of free agents leaving. They have a lot of guys on one-year deals. They could have a lot of free agents next offseason, so they may want to bring in more rookies. Who knows? But I think that that will be something that they would look to do. Maybe you go Obi Toppin and, you know, the Wizards first, or Obi Toppin and the Mavs first, or Obi Toppin and their own first. I don't know. And you go get something else. I don't know. I don't know. But 
if the Knicks do want to go all in, if they want to make that that that, that surefire move that can move them into that championship level, for sure, they could work to either acquire Carl Anthony Towns or Zach Levine. Personally, I would prefer Zach Levine if I'm the New York Knicks, because trading for Carl Anthony Towns would probably cost you Mitchell Robinson, and even if it doesn't cost you Mitchell Robinson, Mitchell Robinson's, Mitchell Robinson's going to have to come off the bench because you're going to keep Julius Randle. I know there's Randle for cat rumors. I, I think that you would you would want to have Cat to add with Randall rather than have Cat and Mitchell Robinson because he's already playing with a Mitchell Robinson type of player, through Rudy Gobert. We'll see how that goes next year, next next season. I think that I think that the Timberwolves should run it back one more year and see how it goes, and then reevaluate after that. But that that's just me. But you know, if you trade for Cat, you might lose your defensive anchor. That you might lose your defensive anchor. If you trade for Levine, it might be more safe. You might have to give up like Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin, and. Let's see, let's see. Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel quickly. That that I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that matches contract wise. You may have to trade an RJ Barrett, or you could throw Evan Fournier in there in that deal. Never mind. You could throw him in the deal, and or you you could even accept Derrick Rose's player option, send him back to Chicago or team option, send him back to Chicago. I don't know. There are some ideas, but I think that both of those trades, Cat and Towns, are both long shots. Just some ideas of names that could be available this offseason if the Knicks really wanted to go make that you know level up type of move. And that's most of the stuff that I wanted to talk about for the Knicks. In recap, the Knicks need to bring back Josh Hart under any and all circumstances. Bring that man back, whether he does accept his player option, whether he doesn't accept his player option. He is the energy guy off the bench. That is Josh Hart. He's a winning player, and the Knicks need him. And and, they, and, and if you don't believe me, the fact that he's a winning player, when Josh Hart was in the lineup, the team did super-duper good. So, right there. Right there for you. You can check the stats on that, too. Uh, the Knicks also need to make decisions on Miles McBride and Derrick Rose's team options. It seems pretty certain to me. I, I I think this is a pretty easy choice. You accept you accept McBride, you decline Rose. That seems like the that seems like the easy deal, the, the easy way out, and probably what they're going to do because that makes the most sense. And the Knicks also this offseason need to you know secure an extension of the manual quickly, work that out this offseason. Although it may be more expensive than the Knicks would like to pay for a guy of Quickly's caliber slash Quickly's role, I think I think role is a better player to describe why you wouldn't want to give him money rather than caliber. I feel like caliber is more dis- disrespectful to Quickly. I feel like roles just like, well, you're 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 a sixth go- you're a sixth seventh man off the bench. You're a really good you're a really good bench piece. He's a really good bench piece. Did he sixth man of the year finalist? Maybe he was a candidate for it. I know that, but. I don't know if you want to pay him $20 million, $25 million. I don't, I don't know if you want to do that. But I think that he's an important piece that the Knicks need to hang on to if they can. And then lastly, look to make a trade that can push the team over the top. They have some trade assets. They have Obi Top and Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, and tons of first-round picks to get the job done if they're willing to, you know, push all the chips onto the table. If they're willing to go all in for a player, they can do that. They have the ability to do that. I don't know if they will. But if they're ready to make that move in championship contention, I think that is what needs to happen. And that is going to do it for this Knicks offseason guide. If y'all did enjoy, make sure to show support how whatever streaming service you're listening on. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, I'm out.